0: Good morning, Abundant Life, how are you? Good to see you guys, I'm glad you're here today. We are continuing a series that we started just last week called The Good Life and I'm excited uh, that you're here today and I'm excited, looking forward to sharing with, with you what I'm gonna talk to you about. I was, uh, I was impressed. I was impressed by how many of you went to Claim Jumper last week and, and uh, golfed down one of the Widowmaker burgers. Okay, if you weren't here, I, I showed people the Widowmaker burger, and people were Facebooking me and sending me pictures of people chowing down on the Widowmaker burger. <laughs> uh, they're good, right? Yeah, they're good. Did anybody make the drive down to Medford and go to In N Out by, by any chance? <laughs> but anyway, so we, we're in this series called The Good Life, and um, in this series, it's, it's really a series that's talking about generosity. That's kind of the underlying theme to, to the whole series, and, uh, and so today I want to talk to you about the more that, that you're wanting in your life, the more that you want to get out of life. Last week, we talked about how it is so important that you and I guard against every kind of greed. Guard against every kind of greed because it just has a way of sneaking into our life and we don't even realize it, but we become greedy kind of people. And so we need to guard against that. And we also need to be rich toward God. We need to be rich toward God. And we talked about how in order for you and me to be really rich toward God, there are two things in our life that have to be evident. One of those is is generosity and the other is gratitude. And I'm going to pick up on both of those themes today. The more that you're looking for, the culture seems to drive us to more. We all desire the good life. Even though we define it different ways, we all desire more of the good life. However you define it, we all desire it. But what seems to be the case in our culture today is that The culture says you need to have more, that if you want to enjoy the good life, then the good life is all about having more, having more. So let's talk about that. I think you would agree with me that in the world we live in today, that the culture is just saying in so many different areas of our life, you need to have more. And just the simplest of things. For example, anybody here ever go to 7-Eleven? 7-11, okay. Uh, 7-11, you want to take a guess how long these guys have been around? I believe they just celebrated their 88th year. Isn't that crazy? I didn't realize that either, that they have been around so long. I don't think I'm mistaken on that, but I think they've been around somewhere about that that amount of time. But when you go into 7-11, what's one thing everybody gets? The gulp or Slurpee, right? The gulp. And so, and so they came out with, with the gulp. Now, you know, here's the gulp right here. And that's probably about a 12-ounce drink. And, and back in my day, when, when, you know, we'd go into a 7-Eleven, you had one option. And that option was take it or leave it, <laughs> okay? And, you know, you didn't have a, you know, a lot to pick from. But, so that, that was kind of it, you know, the, the gulp, and, and that was it. And, and how many of you remember the suicide? Uh-huh. You remember that? You know, you might mix Mountain Dew and Pepsi and Sprite and Coke, and we called it the suicide. You guys know you remember that, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And so, so, but, but what happened? You know, over the years, well, the gulp's not big enough. The gulp's not big enough. I think what happened. Now, this isn't. I'm, I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just saying. You know, I'll just say. That that, um, what probably happened over the course of time is that somebody put two and two together and they realized that the average adult stomach can hold somewhere around 32 ounces or something like that comfortably. Obviously, some of you more than that, but, but and so and so they came out with with not the not the gulp, but now they've got the big gulp because the gulp is just not big enough, and so what we need is a big gulp, okay? And so the big gulp comes out, and and that's probably about 32 ounces and all this stuff. And because, you know, culture just says, hey, you got to have more. You've got to have more. Well, now, the big gulp, obviously, that's not big enough either. And so somewhere around 1986, they came out with another Gulp, and now this is the super big gulp, okay, so the gulp 's not satisfying you anymore, nor is the big gulp we 've got to supersize me okay so we 've got to get the super the super big gulp, which is around forty four ounces okay so right about now, your stomach is really expanding, and they say that this uh, You know, it's about 138% more than what your stomach can actually feel comfortable at. Okay, the size of your stomach expanding out. 44 ounces for the super big gulp. Well, obviously, that's not big enough either, okay? And so so somebody with a bright idea came up with this notion that we had to have the double gulp, okay? The double gulp, which is like 64 ounces. And this came out in 1989, okay? The reason I can remember that is because that's the year Abundant Life Church started. So in honor of Abundant Life's birthday, 7-Eleven came out with the double gulp, okay? And... uh, and, and, and so, now, how many of you, if you go into 7-Eleven, you know, you can't settle for the gulp or the, or the big gulp or the super gulp, but, but you have to go for the double gulp, okay? Anybody here admit to that? Okay, the double gulp. And so it just gets bigger and bigger. And you would think, my gosh, where does it stop? Where does it stop? Can it get any bigger than that? Somebody say, yes, it can get bigger than that. And so now, well now <laughs> we, <laughs> we've got... This, this thing, they call it drink more big gulp. But you know, this is not the big gulp. This is what I would call the giga gulp, okay? This is the giga gulp. They don't even say how many ounces this thing is. It's like at this point, who cares? Who cares how, how big it is, okay? But what I can tell you is if, you, if you're into the giga gulp, you're going to need depends, Okay. <laughs> Because, because you're going to be going to the bathroom a lot, okay? And, and, but I mean, this is just kind of a picture in like a, a microcosm of, of what our world is like. Okay, the world is singing you've got to have more. You know, the gulp's not big enough. You know, it served for a while, but now we've got to, you know, big, get bigger. we got to have the big gulp and the double gulp and the giga gulp and, and all this stuff. And, and it's like, because we've come to believe the lie that, well, more is better, right? More is better. How many of you would agree with me that sometimes more is not better? Yeah, sometimes more is not better. Does anybody play golf, for example? Okay, okay. I mean, uh, hey, guess what? I shot 148 today. What a great score. It's the highest I've ever shot. It was amazing. You know, more is not better. How many of you would agree that more is not better when it comes to words? (laughs) Yeah, you know, sometimes the, the less we say, the better, Especially when it comes to a sermon, right? <laughs> I just wish you'd, you know, be a little bit more succinct. You know, you could probably say that in half the words that you choose, that you choose, that you cho- that you chose, and, and so and so. Sometimes more uh, is not better. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes less is better. But there's something about our culture that has driven us to believe that if you really want the good life. Well, more is better. And if all you have is a gulp, oh my gosh, don't you realize there's a super gulp out there? And if you've got the double gulp, don't you realize that you can get a giga out there? I mean, don't you know there's a giga gulp out there? And you can just get more if you really want the good life. And, and, and sometimes I believe that the more that you and I are looking for isn't found in the more that we're holding out for. We're holding out for the good life, and we think the good life is something that's going to happen to us. But as we talked last week, the good life isn't something that happens to you. The good life is something that happens in you and through you. And I would suggest that that maybe God wants to get you and me to a place where he doesn't necessarily want to pour more into our life. Maybe God wants to get you and me to a place where, where we understand that having more of something isn't necessarily the best thing for us to experience. And I would suggest to you today that none of these, if we take the container illustration, that none of these really represents the good life. If anything, they probably represent the frustrated life or the discontented life. Because why should I settle for a gulp when I can have a big gulp or a double gulp or a giga gulp? Why why should I settle, you know? And again, not that there's necessarily anything wrong with, you know, wherever you happen to be, but something about the culture drives us to just say more is better, and and that's the good life. And so what I would suggest to you today is that none of these really pictures what the good life is all about. If there's a container up here that pictures what the good life is all about, I think this is a better picture. I think this is a better picture of what the good life is all about. Now, this probably doesn't hold more necessarily than some of these up here. But theoretically speaking, I think this holds more because it shares more. This is designed not to just be filled up. It's designed to pour out. It's a picture. It's designed to be filled up and it's designed to be poured out. And I would suggest that what God wants for you and me is that we live our life in such a way that he is constantly filling us up so that we can constantly be pouring out. He's constantly pouring out. He fills up, we pour out. He fills up, we pour out. He fills up, we pour out. That's just the way he designed it to be. And so God is a God of abundance. God blesses us with everything we need. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And and so every day, I don't know about you, but every day I experience more and more of his grace. I don't deserve it, but every day he's pouring more grace into my life. And so the natural result for me should be that when somebody uh, offends me, when somebody drives like an idiot on the highway, that rather than be angry with them, what I should do because I've been filled up with grace is that I just pour a little grace on their head. And, and, and what I've discovered is that every day, God is filling my life with his forgiveness because I, what I've discovered is I need his forgiveness every day. In fact, I need it every moment of every day. And so when somebody says something to me or somebody does something to me that hurts my feelings, you know, I got offended, rather than retaliate and get even, well, God has poured so much forgiveness into my life. What I need to do is just come along, and just pour some forgiveness right on their head. Say, you know what? I love you and I forgive you. You're awesome. Here's some more. You need some more. I just keep pouring it. Just keep pouring it. God God blesses us with material blessings, a car, a home or clothes or or something and and I see somebody in need that that he's blessed me. you know what? I just want to pour some of this on you I just I just want to bless you with this. You see, I think this is a much better picture of what God wants for us and what really is the good life it, it's not about well, how, how much can I get, and how much can I just kind of hold on to? It's not about that at all. But that's where so many people live today. They think the good life is about going from the gulp to the big to the super to the double to the giga, and I just got to get more, and more, 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 more and, 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 and I need to hold on to that because this is designed to hold, but, but I think God is saying, No, I want to pour into your life so that you can pour into the lives of others. Now, in order for you and me to do that, there's some things that have to develop in our life. There's some places that we have to come to. And so I want to take you to the book of Hebrews today, toward the end of the book of Hebrews. It's a great book. And as the Hebrew writer begins winding down the book, he kind of bullet points some things for us that I think helps us to understand what the good life is really all about. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, this is what he says, don't love money. Don't love money. Be satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. Be satisfied with what you have. Circle the word satisfied. It means to be content. It means to be sufficient. In other words, whether you have a gulp or whether you have a double gulp, be satisfied with it. Just be satisfied with that and trust that if God wants to give you more, he can give you more. But notice what he says here. That just having more money won't necessarily satisfy you. It won't. You won't be content from that. He goes on to say, now and again, notice, notice again what he said. Don't be, don't love money, and be satisfied with what you have. And then he goes on. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. It's interesting that he says this because what he's doing here is this is the anchor to what he's just said. He just says, don't love money and, and be satisfied with what you have and all of that because I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. You're not going to be alone. You're going to be okay. You'll be all right. How many of you discover that people will walk out of your life? How many of you discover that the people you thought you could trust have abandoned you? Sure, it happens all the time. Employers, employees, it happens all the time. But God is saying, listen, I won't ever do that to you. I'll I'll never walk out on you. I will never abandon you. And so I believe in order for you and me to to really understand the good life, what I want to talk to you today about is, is how you can experience the more of what you're looking for. And here's the first one. And I'm picking up from last week. Number one, grow your gratitude toward God. Grow your gratitude toward God. Grow your gratitude toward God. Everybody say grow. Grow. your gratitude toward God. I believe that we have to be very intentional about that because I think for, for you and me to truly be grateful people, And for it to be a part of who we are, we have to discipline ourselves to be people of gratitude because it's so easy for us to be dissatisfied with what we have. I'll explain it to you. I'll illustrate it to you. How many of you, when you walk through your kitchen, you just automatically stop and open the refrigerator door? You have no intention of eating anything, right? But you just, I don't know. It's like it's a magnet. It's like, oh, the refrigerator, There's the refrigerator. You know, and then you go on, but when when, when you 're hungry and and you walk by the refrigerator, you, what do you do? You open the door and you look in and you, and you look you look on the door and you close and say there 's nothing to eat in here and and your refrigerator is so full that stuff is molding in there you 're throwing stuff away, right right? yeah, yeah, how many of you have ever got up in the morning, and you walk into your closet, and you think, what am I going to wear today? Right? And, and I have nothing to wear, and so I've got to go shopping, right? Right? Huh? How many of you guys, you know, you're at home, and you're going to watch TV, and you've got the mega package, you know, that's 500 channels. And you throw the thing, the remote across on the couch, and there's nothing to watch on TV. We're so dissatisfied in our world today, we could go to Disneyland and be bored. There's nothing to do at Disneyland. And and we've just become so dissatisfied. In Numbers chapter 11, the Israelites are leaving Egypt where they've been in slavery. And God is taking them to the promised land. Everybody say promised land. He's taking them to the promised land, this land that's flowing with milk and honey. And on the way, in verse 4, then the foreign rabble <laughs> who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. I mean, the Israelites, they've been in slavery, and now God is taking them to the promised land. He's providing for them everything they need. He's going to give them their their own land. And these foreigners begin complaining. And so the natural result of when people start complaining is, what do we do? We start complaining too, right? Have you ever noticed that that complaining is just contagious? It's contagious. You could be at work and somebody, you know, you you stop by by the water cooler and you're going to get some water and somebody says... Man, I, I, I get so sick of this environment around here. I don't know if you ever noticed it or not, but everybody's so grouchy around here. Well, you know, I never thought about it, but you're right, they are. they just, everybody's grouchy. Everybody's always in a bad mood around here. And did you ever notice how, you know, he always comes in late and, and the boss, oh my goodness, my gosh, she is such a, mm, I don't even wanna use the word. You know. For, <laughs> her and you just and you go from one thing to the next because it 's kind of contagious and and we just start complaining and that 's what 's going on here and, and in verse five and six, they said, You know what we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic all we wanted, <laughs> but now our appetites they 're gone they 're just gone because all we ever see is this manna? And frankly, we're sick of it. We're just tired of manna. And and so you know the, the word for manna actually means what? And so they, they come out, manna was like a, a wafer type substance and God miraculously provided this. So all they had to do was get up out of bed, you know, walk out, you know, scratch themselves and, and stretch <laughs> and yawn, you know, get their breakfast, take it back in 10 and ten eat. They didn't do anything, God just provided it for them. But they're complaining, and they're saying, "Where's the meat? Where's the beef? You know?" And so we're sick of this of this manna, and and, and I mean, I can I guess I can understand to a point, you know, because what do you do? I mean, you make manna cakes, and and manna pudding, and manna shakes, and and uh, manna cotti, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and uh, a little man of shevitz to go with your, with your man of Connie. And, and, and so, I mean, what do you do with, with manna? And you got all this manna, and so they start complaining about it and all of this. And, but yet God has been providing for them, guiding them, taking them to the promised land. But, hey, we remember when we were back in Egypt and we had all the meat we could eat for free, you know, all the good old days, you ever, ever complain and, and say, oh, my God, I just wish we could go back to the good old days? You ever wish we could go back to the good old days? The good old days aren't always as good as we think. The, the old sweet Egypt, oh, I just wish we could go back to Egypt. They were slaves. And there were slaves in Egypt. They were being worked to death. I mean, their fingers to the bone. It's not like every night they were sitting down to Morton's, you know, filet mignon, candlelight dinner. It's not like they had steak every night. It's like once in a while, maybe. Oh, for the good old days! We romanticize the good old days and just wish that you know we could go back to. I remember the good old days. I mean, we lived in a trailer that was on the church parking, the church property. It was a kind of a rundown mobile home. I was making 75 bucks a week and we had to drive 30 miles to even go get get pizza at a pizza hut. And then they moved the trailer, for some reason, across the street to a trailer park, and it was like butted up almost next door to another one where the guy was drunk every night, and every, every morning he'd wake up and you could, you know, you, it woke us up, and, and, and we'd, we'd peer up out of the bedroom, and went and look, and, and we'd hear, what do you look at, what do you look at? And he would go, oh shoot, he's, he he, he saw us, you know, and this was happening like almost every night. It's like the good old days were horrible. I don't, but we romanticize the good old days. Just wish we, we just wish we could go back to Egypt where we had it so good, and we romanticize and, and we think it was so much better. And, and 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 so I mean, you read this story about the Israelites, and, and it's like my gosh, just how ungrateful can people be? I just can't believe that they would be so ungrateful, and and yet what I've discovered, <laughs> what I've discovered is sometimes I read the Bible and sometimes the Bible reads me, <laughs> and and I realize that it's really easy for me to be ungrateful. I mean, we were vacationing down in Costa Rica just a, a couple of months ago. We were at a beautiful five-star resort. Oh my gosh, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Had this nice pool, beautiful sun, had the ocean. All this magnificent food. It was just amazing. We made a reservation for a res- restaurant that evening, and we show up only to find out that they, they canceled a reservation, didn't tell us about it. And the reason they canceled was because they had a big group to come in, and so they decided to give all the reservations to this group. I was ticked. and you talk about going into complaining mode and oh my, which I'm very capable of doing. And and it it reminded me of how angry I got several years previous to that at another resort. And and finally, you know, I finally came to the realization, George, you're at a five-star resort. You've got food coming out of your ears. There's multiple restaurants, many of which are buffets. You can stuff yourself crazy, and you're complaining because of the jerk. And you're going to let this jerk ruin this beautiful vacation. And we do that all the time. I mean, stop and think about it. God has blessed us in so many ways. So many ways. And what I encourage us to do is, is every day to think about how's God blessed us? For what do we have to be grateful? His grace that's, that's just it's so undeserved. His mercy that's new every morning. Uh, a meaning and a purpose for living. His Holy Spirit who guides me and directs my steps and, and says, as long if, if I just trust in him, he'll direct my steps and he'll crown my efforts with success, he'll make level paths for my feet. He's promised me a home in heaven, he's promised me a new body, he's promised me a, a place that's so great, that's beyond imagination, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what he's prepared, but yet I still find a way to complain. I still find a way to, to lack Gratitude. In my life. And so I just want I want to challenge all of us to say that that we're going to become the most grateful people on the face of the earth. I, I would love it for Abundant Life Church to be known in, in, in this community. Those are the most grateful people I have ever, ever seen in my entire life. And I want to challenge you right now to be a grateful person, to live a life of gratitude. In Psalm 50, verse 23, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. Think about that. I think God takes ingratitude more seriously than we do. Because whenever you and I start developing ungrateful spirits, where's the meat? Okay, where's the beef, God? Where's the beef? Whenever we're ungrateful, it's basically saying, you're not doing for me like I think you ought to do for me. I mean, come on, God. I've got a gulp, and I know there's a big gulp out there somewhere. I know it's out there. But all you're doing is blessing me with a gulp, and, and I'm just not satisfied with that. And, and I just encourage you to be thankful for what, what you have, because this, this is what's going to happen. Not only does gratitude honor God, but it, it will make you a better person. It's going to help you as well. And let me give you three ways, and this is just three. I could give you many more, but here's number one. It'll make you a happier person. I guarantee you, if you, will promise, if you will practice over the course of the next, I'm going to say the next month, over the next month, that you'll say, I'm not going to complain about anything. <laughs> Somebody's saying, can we just make it a day? <laughs> okay, well, for the next week, okay, for the next week, don't complain about anything. The moment you catch yourself complaining about something, you stop yourself and you find something for which to be grateful. And I challenge you, for the next week, every, every morning you get up, you just begin with, God, I am so thankful, God, thank you for this, God, thank you for that, God, thank you for this, God, thank you for that, God, thank you for this. And you just do that, and the moment you catch yourself being ungrateful, you stop yourself and find something to be grateful. You'll become a happier person. Second thing is, it'll make you a more attractive person. It'll make you a more attractive person. I mean, you know that. You, you know people who grumble and complain and gripe all the time. Are you attracted to them? No, you're not. You you probably try to avoid them. And so it'll make you more attractive. I'm I'm drawn to people who are grateful people. I'm, I'm drawn to those kind of people. And then number three, it'll make you less materialistic. It'll make you less materialistic. It'll loosen the grip on materialism in your life if you just become grateful for what you already have in your life. Now, I want to give you an opportunity to really practice what I'm talking about right now. How many of you have a smartphone? Have it with you? Is that all of you? Raise your hand if you have a smartphone. Oh, yeah, come on. That's right. Some of you just weren't playing the game. Take your your smartphone out right now. Take your smartphone, everybody else. Take your smartphone out. And I want you to text a message of gratitude to somebody in your life right now. I'm going to stop the sermon right now. and, And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. If, if you don't have a smartphone, uh, the ushers have some postcards. <laughs> Has a little cream circle on the, on the, on the uh, front of it. So you can, there you go, right here, there, there you go. A couple of the older ladies right down here. <laughs> okay, uh, take, take the postcard and start writing a note of gratitude to someone, okay? So um, go ahead, text somebody. I'm going to do it while you're doing it. You guys working? Yeah. All right. Now I would normally write more to this person. This person is in the room right now. I'd normally write more, but I do have to get on with this sermon. So all I'm gonna say is I'm grateful for you. There. Sorry if I offended you. If it's not you, you not getting in the... Note. Okay, so send a note of gratitude. I, I challenge you, do that every day. Do it, do it multiple times throughout the day. Okay, here's the next thing. Grow your trust in God. Grow your trust in God. We've got to develop gratitude, but grow your trust in God. In, in Hebrews 13, 5, we just read this promise. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Notice that the promise is followed by an affirmation. Look at the affirmation that follows that. And so we say, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? The Lord is my helper. Everybody say, the Lord is my helper. Oh, come on, say it like you really mean it. The Lord is my helper. Okay, let me just do this right. On the count of three, everybody say, the Lord is my helper. One, two, three. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. And repeat this, I will have no fear. What can mere man do to me? Some of you need to be repeating that every single day because you've got stuff going on in your life right now. And you're afraid and, and you're not sure how things are going to turn out. And you need to affirm the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can your man do to me? I don't know your situation right now. Some of you desperately want to start a family, but, but it's just not working. It's just not happening. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Some of you didn't want to start a family, and the test came back positive. And you're thinking, oh, what am I going to do? The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Some of you walked in here today, and somebody was sitting in your seat. Okay, <laughs> the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Okay, I mean, you can apply this in so many different areas of your life. You can apply this in so many ways. I challenge you, memorize this, make this your affirmation. Now, we're talking about how to experience the more that you're really wanting, the more you're looking for. How do you experience the more you're looking for? Well, I'm going to tell you, the Bible is so Countercultural and it's so counterintuitive because the world would say to you, if you want to experience the more you're looking for, then you work yourself to the bone and you go from here to here to here to here and when you get here you get it and you hold on to it for dear life okay you get it get all you can, sit on the can and, and can what you get okay and you you hold, you hold on to it. You get every bed you can get. And if you can get another one, get another one. But you get all you can. You hold on to it. That's what the world says you do if you want to experience the good life, okay? What God says to do, he doesn't say to do that at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite. God says, if you want to experience the more you're looking for, then you let me fill your life, and you pour it out, and I'll keep blessing you. But you've got to put God first. And the area where it is most difficult For most people to put God first is where? In their money, in their finances. It is the area by far, because everybody and their brother says, I trust God, except for when it comes to their money. And the irony of that is it's the only place where God says to test him. It's the only place where God says to test him. In Malachi chapter, uh, whatever it is. 310, I know, I got it right here. I bet you tithe, don't you? <laughs> I knew. Well, maybe I shouldn't tell you that I knew, but don't Malachi three ten: Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and then he says, and see, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for it. You got a choice. You can say, I'm going to go through life, and I'm going to say, I'm going to get what's mine, and I'm going to hold on to it because, God, you, you're not showing me the meat. You're not showing me the meat. All we got is this manna down here, and I'm frankly, I'm sick of it. And so if anybody's going to take care of me, I guess it's me. And and you can go through life like that, and believe me, a lot of people do. Or you can go through life and say, God, whatever you bless me with, I'm going to pour it onto other people. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to show you that I trust you by putting you first. And and when you bless me, I'm going to pour it out on other people. And here's the deal: you cannot outgive God. You can't. It's it's counterintuitive. It's just it's counterintuitive. And some of you want the more you're looking for, and you think you're gonna get it from going from the gulp to the giga-gulp, and it ain't gonna happen. It's only gonna go when you say, God, I'm an open vessel, and I'm gonna put you first in every area of my life. I'm gonna surrender everything to you, all to you. I'll give you the first part, because it's not an issue of money, it's an issue of trust. God does not need your money, by the way. But what he wants is what it represents, and what it represents is your heart that's what it represents. And when he says, oh, you're giving me your heart. Oh, guess what? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Oh, you're withholding your heart. Good luck. Good luck. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head. And as we close our eyes, would, would you just stop and think for a moment, where are you having a hard time trusting God? Some of you maybe have never surrendered your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, I, I, I need for you to be my Savior and my Lord, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and to cover me with your blood. I'm, I'm choosing to accept you as my Savior, and I'm going to give you a moment to pray that in just a moment. For some of you, maybe you're having a hard time trusting God with a relationship. Maybe you're having a hard time trusting God relative to your job or employment. Maybe you're having a hard time trusting God with your finances and putting him first. I challenge you, if you begin to do that, he has a way of blessing every area of your life. I don't know exactly how it all works, but God does. And that's what he promises. And he says, you test me in this. I'm going to ask you if you would pray this prayer with me as we close out and to say this aloud. Father in heaven, Today, I trust Jesus. Jesus, I trust you with every area of my life. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you. So I trust you. I pray this in your name. Amen.